All right, so we have come to the end of Lovecraft Country. Or at least the end of country for people like Lovecraft. Oh, see what I did there. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, there was definitely a conclusion to the story. Yeah. Um, yeah, this this last episode seemed like a weird outlier to me. What what did you think of the episode? I felt like it was I mean, for me, there were a couple of different kind of aspects of it that I like, but I wasn't sure how I felt having it all together. So I'm, you know, real horror trash for that like 1970s genre where they're in this weirdly put together faux British village kind of setting and maybe there's a bunch of blood, but it's kind of fakey and stuff. And anyway, this really hit on that, but it was like having two of my favorite foods that you know you just shouldn't have together in the same meal together and so yeah it felt a bit disjointed to me I think also that they threw in a big plot idea at the end you know I I kind of liked the idea Mm -hmm. but I felt like it didn't get nearly enough prep in that we just encountered it and then boom 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 we're at the end so you know like I assessed last week I couldn't see how they could wrap it up in an hour and they did but they couldn't really do it in a way that that wasn't a bit disjointed. Right. That's that line between like, oh, here's something that we never told you, mm-hmm. which it is a horribly unsatisfying trope that a lot of teen shows use. Mm-hmm. Not that I watch a lot of trash teen <laughs> shows. Mm-hmm. Well, and mysteries do. sometimes do it too. Right. It's like, oh, we'd never told you this or or foreshadowed it in any way. And um, that's the solution, which is just like, well... That's it's not quite storytelling. Yeah, like up to this point, each episode felt like we were discovering alongside people the whole time and mm-hmm. things would build on each other and we might discover something before the characters do and we might discover something at the same time the characters do. And I felt like the overall mm-hmm. arc of the show, and I know we'll talk about that later, was generally, even if I didn't like writing decisions, like good writing, nuanced writing, kind of like we talked about last week, and then we got this and it was like, oh, holy crap, so many ideas to resolve. And and even if it was a good idea, it, there's not quite enough tension to lead it to be a really satisfying payoff. Even though I know yes. it's supposed, supposed to be a good payoff, I don't, I don't feel it like I wanted to. Maybe it's partly because a lot of the stuff that we've seen in the show is we have seen a lot of harm caused to black people by white people, but most of it hasn't been done using magic. Mm-hmm. You know, Buffy had a very uneven, and of course that's a seventh season thing, but mm-hmm. it had kind of an uneven season finale. But that moment when all those little girls got the power mm-hmm. and were having their moments of standing up, right? Like, that was pretty satisfying. Mm-hmm. Especially because you had all this tension of Buffy being the only person who can bear the weight of having being a slayer on her shoulders and everything else, and the idea that it could have been distributed but they've been limiting it to this one girl it's sort of like well we can handle the monster monster stuff now which is great but you know the men who killed Emmett Till the people who made Tulsa happen none of that was magic right and I don't think that even the fact that Titus's magic is stolen from indigenous peoples is clearly foreshadowed and I I, I don't want to pick too much at it 
but like I wanted to feel more and I didn't. That made me sad. Mm-hmm. To me, the the thing that I felt the most watching this show is that the pacing of the episode was very strange to me. Mm-hmm. It felt like very fast and very slow at the same time. So the story is unfolding pretty linearly. It, it kind of goes slow, but it's also lacking the, the density of storytelling that we saw earlier in the season. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, and we, they solved some of their issues for how do we do this through sort of montage-like things, but then they weren't quite montages either. Mm-hmm. But like I mentioned last week, I think that I would be fine with more threads left out that weren't wrapped up. Mm-hmm. And so I was even... Like, some threads that were wrapped up, I wasn't expecting. <laughs> like, I wasn't expecting the Ruby plotline in this episode at all. Mm-hmm. I think I liked it, I guess. I had mixed feelings about it. I mean, since Christina died, I, I wouldn't have been okay with Ruby dying, you know, like I said, if Christina lived through those. I thought it was interesting to have the whole Christina playing Ruby thing, which, of course, gives the actress a chance to do some real, you know, slightly uncanny acting so that when we all look back at it. Mm-hmm. And the idea that Ruby did the sisterly thing, that she thought about it and realized where she wanted to decide. Mm-hmm. It felt like she was doing a redemptive act. But yeah, like I would have liked to see more about her as a character and more of a... I don't think that Ruby owed Letty that redemptive act. No. I think I told you during the show, you could play it as a redemptive act, but you could also play it as her knowing that they have the book and her switching sides to what she feels like is now the winning side. Mm. Mm-hmm. Doing the same thing that Letty accuses her of, the same way that Letty is doing the thing that she accuses Letty of. So they just keep being each other's sisters. Yeah. And, but it doesn't go quite right. Because apparently that fan service gay sex that they had was not so good because everyone was on top of their spy game even afterwards. Yeah. <laughs> and I and that was sort of the moment where I was like, well, this is A, fan service. Thank you. And B, clearly, I think Ruby is planning to do the betrayal because this mm-hmm. means she's up to spy games. Yeah, because, well, she's not very, she's just staring at the bottle very suggestively. I suspected that something was up with Ruby when she came up to the car. It didn't seem like it was not right, but I, I didn't really know for sure it wasn't Ruby until she said the witching hour. Oh my God, right? <laughs> it was just like, oh, that's Christina, fuck. <laughs> Until that moment, I had not been, I had been like, oh, okay, I guess Ruby's kind of joining in. All right. Yeah. Just showing an interest in your hobbies. That's nice, right? <laughs> uh, turns out not quite right. Yeah, though, I think an interesting thing at the end, you know, we talked last week about how Christina always keeps her word. Mm-hmm. And, you know, she did that, right? Mm-hmm. They, they didn't show it till that cut at the end, and I had to see it when I was going through tonight and pausing at every single one of the flashback moments but she made letty invulnerable again and she did it because she made that promise to ruby mm-hmm. and so even though she killed ruby or or maybe just put ruby in a coma right like maybe ruby's in a state where they can get her back yeah that that was touched on again that it was unclear whether these folks are completely dead like William might have been like dead and she's keeping his body alive or whatever, but right. Ruby, she might have magicked into a coma, right? I like that Tick and Letty took the elevator to Boston. That they could have they could have gone back over that bridge. They got that cool montage music. They had to say goodbye to the monster and let him know that he couldn't come with. Yeah, that's the other thing that 
<clears throat> was a little foreshadowy and you I didn't really piece it together as like Tick's master plan at all but it definitely makes sense that Tick had a plan for the plan and they played that out once they kind of get set up with D and the healing and they mm-hmm. o- they open the book and Tick and Letty immediately pass out which was hilarious <laughs> and they each go to their own spot mm-hmm. Tick is going to chat with Hannah and Letty is going to talk to Grandma Birdie. So they've got different lessons that they need to hear before they can work together on, you know, studying for 20 minutes for a spell that's going to change the world. Mm-hmm. But it's unclear, like, well, we don't know at all what the plan is. Mm-hmm. And they could have been told different things, too, right? Yeah, I could kind of tell from that when, you know, Tick also met with his mom and was seriously thinking about how he was going to die. But then when we saw him not necessarily, you know, saying, well, it's only one of the options and all this stuff later, I was like, I am sensing some bullshit. And I think I knew he was going to die when I saw him looking at the little boys playing through the window. Yeah, it has that whole, oh, that that scene where, like, everyone's getting ready and, like, Jia Mm -hmm. is there with them and they're getting ready for the trip. And he just, there's this moment of silence. That was a heartbreaking, like, he's definitely going to die moment uh look at how everything is finally perfect so i found it interesting too and i think this is another another interesting element is that christina came and said look i won't kill you if you give me the book which again she's just like it's not that i'm trying to kill him so i'm trying to cast a spell and him dying is a side effect like honey i'm not that's i'm not trying to kill him he's just going to die like that's not (laughs) that's not somehow better I mean, it reminds me of people saying, well, I don't have hate in my heart. It's like, you don't have to have hate in your heart to hurt people or to discriminate against people or to decide that you're so much more important, that your spell is like so important. Right. You just get to kill this guy. Like, okay, you don't hate him. And, you know, the fact that that's what she wants to use magic for is just very, Mm -hmm. like, I've been excluded my entire life. What should I do after I've figured out a way to access this thing that... I've been excluded for forever. Oh, I'm just going to take it for myself and not do anything, you know, redemptive with it. Mm-hmm. That's it is very much a white woman role. Yeah, it's a white feminism TM kind of thing. Let's become the boss now or whatever. Mm-hmm. It's not a good use of equality. Like every single person. I don't know mm-hmm. if you've like sat in the back of a car, three people across for a long drive ever. Yes. Yes. All right. It's a scenario. That was a a long drive with like six people in that car. That whole scene was a little over the top in the same way that the drag scene was. Mm -hmm. Like it was ridiculous, but I appreciated it. And I appreciated it that like Letty and Montrose were like, "Uh uh-uh, not going to do it. Not going to do it. (laughs) Yeah. That made me happy. And then everyone really did have a good time. But that is the moment where I thought, man, that monster is going to feel left out. (laughs) A monster needs space to roam. You got to take it to the monster park and let it, you know, do its monster thing. Yeah, that kind of scene, like, it would have been cool if that had kind of been injected into some of the other bits. I don't know. It felt like it was a nice little bit of levity. Like you said, with the drag Mm -hmm. thing, it was, you know, that sort of musical number stylishness. I felt like we got a little bit of that in Hippolyta's Mm -hmm. episode in some ways. Mm -hmm. And, like, a little bit more of that throughout. Mm -hmm. My other favorite moment in this episode was when... They got to, they left D back in the car. It reminded me actually of the time 
yeah, around this time of year, when I was about 11 years old, one of my friends and all of our friends, so it was a station wagon full of 10 and 11 year olds. And we went up to the haunted house and everyone was real excited about the haunted house. And I was full of good sense. And just as everyone was getting out of the car, I told my friend's mom, I don't want to go to the haunted house. (laughs) And I sat in that car for like two hours, three hours, because I realized that I very much did not want to go to the haunted house. So I just sat there like reading a book, which is what they left D doing. So identifiable. (laughs) But when they cut to her, I was like, wait, do which story are we in? Are we in the story in the book or the story? Mm. So I was like taken out just a bit, which was pretty cool. And I was having this moment like, wait, you left D. I like, I get it. You can't leave her in Chicago. And you probably shouldn't take her to this place where she might get to see her uncle murdered because Lord knows she's had enough trauma. At the same time, you've left her in a car in the middle of the woods. I just, I was, I was concerned. I mean, she, she shined the flashlight on it and that kind of worked, but then it started attacking the car. And then um, I've been coming up with names for him like Fido or Bubba. I think mm. Bubba's a good name for, for the Shuggoth. It was nice to have him show up and be like, oh, okay, good. a good bud. That's my yeah. friend. Oh, look at you. You're as big as me. I can still take you because I yeah. have reason. Um, yeah, no, it was, it was good to see just a little bit of monster. So some good skittering, some some several tongs. That was nice. The ritual had every other time that we've had a big ritual, mm-hmm. we've had some dramaturgy around it with like some voiceover or some other visual tricks mm-hmm. or, you know, like something else going on. But this was just focus on the ritual itself and things that were going on around it. Mm-hmm. You see why we had other stuff going on because it gets like overwhelmingly what's happening. Mm-hmm. But I also really enjoyed, I, I texted you in the middle that Christina was wearing a christening dress. Yes, you did. <laughs> you um, know she's had that dress for years, right? Like as part of her big plan. Right. She's like, she, I shall wear white on the night of my ascension. She has it altered like three times a year. <laughs> Just to make sure that she's ready at every moment. That it was all lace and then it like became dyed with the blood. I like yeah. that. That was a nice effect. And that's like, that's see, that there is my 70s shit, right? Yeah. Like, okay, she's wearing like a white flowy long thing. She's got like, and suddenly there's all this blood and it's kind of cool. So one of the other themes I think that kind of came up in this episode was that Hannah says that when they've got him in the binding circle, mm-hmm. he says that she stole the book. Mm-hmm. And she says like, you can't steal something. You stole it. Mm-hmm. When you look back on the stories that you saw that he was going on trips all over the world, you can kind of gather that he was stealing magical things and kind of compiling them into the colonizer's magic. But then Tick kind of comes through as a straight up Christ figure, I felt. Yeah, because he knows he's going to die. He's down with it as long as there's something that comes out of it. And he's going to save all his people. They might have well have put him in a loincloth after he died with a crown of thorns because that it was straight up you know like go into a catholic church and like that is the pose yeah as he was coming back down and i sort of i you know i've been going back and forth i, I knew he was going to die at the same time there was this part of me it's like maybe they're gonna save him or something mm-hmm. waffly 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 and i uh, just looking at him though and i'm like mm, this is a very much a self pose but i also felt that you know he couldn't die just 
to stop Christina from getting immortality, right? That is something way too small to sacrifice yourself for. Mm-hmm. But there was clearly something bigger afoot with what Hannah had said and other things and how he was going to save them all. And then Letty. With the baptism. Mm-hmm, and talking about discovering God within herself and seeing God in Tick and then the baby. I think, though, there was another redemptive aspect in this, too, where, you know, he's, his letter to his dad says, like, you get another chance at this, mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. is a real act of faith. It is, but it's also you finally had a transformative experience mm-hmm. and prove to yourself that you can do something because you we were here together and we did something. So that's why yeah. I, I can believe that you can do this. How did you feel about the women in this episode? I felt like this was an episode where the women kind of came together. There was a lot of collaboration. Mm -hmm. And I thought it was good for cases where women have been having to sacrifice themselves a lot to have the man do the actual sacrificing. But at the same time, I felt, I mean, and this is maybe just calling back to the Jesus story. It's the women who have to pick up the pieces afterward, right? Of all the ancestors that we talked to who helped them cast the spells, those were all... Mm-hmm. The the women that we've seen, his mothers that have died, and then it's him and his son. It was interesting because part of it was like, well, at least for one time, we're not like sacrificing some woman to move the plot forward, which you do see, you know, quite a bit. So that was kind of nice. But yeah, there there's nothing. I guess that's the other thing about the story. I think it needed to take two more steps, right? Well, I guess let's talk about the overall the overall story. Like, what, what two steps do you think it should have taken? Well, I mean, that gets to kind of the point of the last scene, which is uh, uh. Mm-hmm. to buy into casting this spell to to change everything and to believe that it's going to change everything. To have an imagination of what that that world looks like mm-hmm. is the there's what, like 142 lodges. Oh, yeah. Of like police lieutenants that suddenly don't have magic. It's like you said, yeah, you're just still in this world, this real world. I don't know. I felt like there was some potential there for some of Hippolyta's dreams mm-hmm. to come in. Yeah, I really like the way that they, you know, Hippolyta invited herself in and Tick invited Gia in. And I really like that. All of that. That made me... Yeah, I was worried that Gia would get killed off and I would I would have been upset. But Gia has a future. I really like when she recognized her destiny, that scene that scene with Gia during, during the ritual was like... Mm-hmm. That was my favorite part of the ritual. <laughs> yeah, and I was worried that that would kill her and I was really glad that it didn't. Well, and now she's like a fully empowered human version. I want to see a whole K-drama version of this mm-hmm. show with her. So, like, I've been trying to think, you know, in parse, and I mean, we've only had since sort of yesterday, about the overall plot. And it's like, okay, we've learned that magic is real, and there are all these lodges and such, and there's intercity power wars and the like. And mm-hmm. this family is brought into it by their blood and by being the keepers of this book. Mm-hmm. And, oh, and they keep trying to sacrifice tick and stuff so did you catch when Hiram was also talking to Hannah that that was the point of him impregnating her yes that he was yeah that he just wanted spare blood that right for sacrifices which is then what they tried to do with tick in the second episode 
And then, of course, what Christina tries at the end is like, yeah, you're making... You're just making the same mistake. You think you're doing better, but you're not. Mm -hmm. I saw that symmetry, too, in that both cases, Hannah saved him, you know, in the first... He he found that power that Christina had hinted at, mm -hmm. where she undermined her father, and he pulled something out of himself, and he conjured Hannah. Mm -hmm. And then Hannah let him out of the house. And then in the second case, Hannah actually brings the spell to him and says, all right, this is what you're going to do. Mm -hmm. she's, been, she's been working on that for since she died, so. Maybe not since she died, but at some point. Because you got the sense that right, right. She, she was being mentally tortured. She died. She still wasn't sure what was going on. But then she sort of sorted everything out and said, okay, I have magic. And here's what I want. But yeah, yeah so then in the end, he's the one who still gets sacrificed. Right. I think about how that story, the story itself started out with Montrose's letter, which mm -hmm. was written under coercion about his birthright. Mm. but the book and the magic is in fact his birthright not what the Braithwaites were selling him this memory of it and make magic great again scenario and he got it check mm -hmm. yeah so I felt that there was some arcing in there that I could see between we start in Artem we finish in Artem we start with people attempting to sacrifice tick for small visions personal immortality going to eden we end with tick sacrificing himself but yeah like you said i think that what the arc the arc of the story like it was great mysteries and solving things and working together and exploring new things and you have these like side mm -hmm. trip with hippolyta that was really fun and you have some things like hey letty gets to figure out how to deal with a haunted house and it's actually pretty cool that moment when she got the goat and you were like, oh, yeah, she's taking the power into her own hands. And then the bit at yeah. the end where she, like, casts out the spirit and heals the people, heals their ghosts. Like, there were some really beautiful healing moments there. But, yeah, there wasn't really a vision for what would come next, except that only this one avenue of harm would be cut off. And I like the idea of d getting to do some sort of awesome arm kind of future space thing but i didn't feel a vision for that either i feel like that's where you sort of need to take the full-on afrofuturism of the i am episode and spell out a new vision well i was trying to think of visions i was thinking in the sunra film that's sort of the first afrofuturistic film and the quote from which was played over the background uh, while hippolyta and george were exploring in that film, he's come back to Earth to just take all the black people and say, you know what, you don't deserve um, our music, you don't deserve our labor, you don't deserve anything. I will leave you all the rest of the world, and I'm taking my people and we are going. A sort of a Moses scenario. And taking them, I think, maybe to a new planet or something. Yeah. And, you know, was there some vision of, we'll get magic and we will grow and we will flourish and we will become powerful and some of us will be harmful and some of us will be great. But that's almost like an X-Men thing, right? You might get like with mutants. Mm -hmm. Or like they go start Wakanda or something. Right. So like you said, there wasn't a, there wasn't and, a what comes next. I mean, okay. So let's talk about that extremely final scene too. Mm -hmm. With the reveal of Dee's bionic arm, mm -hmm. which she uses to kill Christina. <laughs> Mm -hmm. What was that about? 
Yeah, I had two thoughts on that. One is that for everything that's happened to Dee over the course of this episode arc, I get why she would feel that way and would want to do that. Also, it doesn't seem like she's coming from a great place there since everybody else left Christina behind like that, right? Mm -hmm. Like maybe the point of what they did to Christina was to take away her magic because she thought magic was so interesting to explore because she thought she could get all these things out of it. And now she doesn't have it and she would have to learn to be ordinary. And that's honestly a much bigger punishment than just mm -hmm. killing her. Yeah. Is making her learn to be completely ordinary. And sure, she would have the Braithwaite wealth, but she seems to be losing all of her connections. The lodges wouldn't be able mm -hmm. to give her any power. She clearly doesn't have any social connections outside of any of this. And so it felt like what the main squad did was really figure out the deepest way to harm her because they could have killed her and they didn't. And so, yeah, it just, I don't know. I would have preferred maybe if even D had come in, thought about it and like left her with the Shagoth and if he'd eaten her. Yeah. If good old Bubba had eaten her face off, that would have, I still would have said, well, they, they've picked a better, a better fate for her. But mm -hmm. yeah, it was just like, hmm. Yeah, even if it's like power I've given myself and I did, I did, you know, forgive Ruby for, you know, fucking some people up, but I don't want it for the children. Yes. Yeah. It's like, is Dee so scarred already that this is what she's got to do? This is who she has to be? Because it seemed like Hippolyta was bringing her such a more interesting future. Mm -hmm. Maybe that's part of it, too. That mm -hmm. Hippolyta says, like, hey, I became Marithia Blue. I named myself all these things. I traveled. I learned from an artist so that I can help you become the best artist that you can be. Mm -hmm. And... Yeah, you just want something better for her than that. Like, it's cathartic, and if any of the other characters had maybe done it, like, Fletty had done it, right, for her sister, I wouldn't, mm -hmm. have, felt, I wouldn't have felt bad at all. If Tick, no. well, not Tick, obviously, he's dead. If Montrose had done it for his son, I wouldn't have felt bad. I would have been a little weirded yeah. out if Hippolyta, sort of the enlightened being, had done it, but not too weirded out if Gia had done it. But just, yeah, having Dee do it made me a bit sad. Yeah. If you're missing Lovecraft Country, we encourage you to check out the Ignite Awards finalist list for tons of new worlds to explore. The awards are sponsored by FiaCon for BIPOC Plus in Speculative Fiction to celebrate the vibrancy and diversity of current and future landscapes of science fiction, fantasy, and horror. The awards include novels, novellas, short stories, young adult, comics, anthologies, podcasts, and more. It includes some of my favorite reading from the last year, plus plenty of stuff from my to-read and listen lists. Ignite is spelled I-G-N-Y-T-E, and we will link to it in the show notes. I wanted to ask you about Lovecraft. Mm -hmm. So overall, over all these 10, 10 episodes, how Lovecrafty was the show, would you say? Hmm. It's a tricky question because you have to define sort of what Lovecrafty means. I think on a scale of some of the themes, I would say maybe a solid seven. On a scale of how important they were to the plot, I would say maybe more of a two or a three. Mm -hmm. So you have themes of hidden knowledge, check. 
themes of the world is much bigger and scarier than you realized it was, even if you maybe thought it was scary already. Check. Mm -hmm. Themes of family connection that you don't want. Check. Themes of family in general and family secrets and like check, 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 check. Like it's like your Geiger counter is like going off on that one really hard. And that's why I would give it a seven is that all of the aspects of family were really important to it. And monsters, you know, I'd say like we got some weird stuff in there. Mm -hmm. I appreciated that it was understated. I think if they tried to do a monster of the week kind of thing, like and now we fight near Lothotep, I would have been so over it real fast. Like that wouldn't have worked for the show. If there had been one big Lovecraftian style bad, eh, it might have worked. The big bad being your cousin who's an evil magician is kind of Lovecraftian. But how surfaced they were in the show, I would say it had a strong sci-fi horror pulp feel, which mm -hmm. is certainly one of the things that Lovecraft, among other writers, brought into the consciousness, I guess. I mean, Alien is Lovecraftian, you know. Alien is actually quite Lovecraftian. Aliens is not as Lovecraftian but I do love it. I guess I, I tend to not care at all what other people think of media I consume is, which mm -hmm. is why I like to wait like five years before consuming media. Mm -hmm. But I, but I read some, a couple of, of think pieces, commentary or criticism. Who knows what, what it is. I don't engage with these things. So, but it said, you know, the title Lovecraft Country is coming from the book Lovecraft Country. And even in the book, it's not so, you know, it's more of a nod than, mm -hmm than inspiration but yeah like like you mentioned you know those themes are really important throughout speculative fiction in general and i think specifically horror mm -hmm. horrory speculative fiction because i mean what is more horrifying than realizing that your cousin is a evil wizard that you know <laughs> i literally just imagined my cousin as an evil wizard and it was unpleasant i think overall for the show i really I really enjoyed some of the character arcs. Yeah. I thought that they did interesting things with with some of the characters. I'm still I'm I will never not be salty about Yakima. I'm really happy about where Montrose is right now. Yes. I'm feeling very positive about him. I'm feeling really good about Hippolyta. Mhm. Mm I think Letty has grown a lot. Mm -hmm. You know, I agree with Ruby that she has still not quite figured some stuff out. She was still just doing the yeah. thing where she shows up to be family because she needs something. Ruby definitely had a point there. But like the religion seems to have calmed her anger a little bit. Yeah. And I think she's got, she's got a stabilizing network too. Mm -hmm. Well, she's got the family that is right. actually there for her. Which with her mom, you can see why, you know, like she and, and Tick have that talk many episodes ago about hey, we do not necessarily know what a healthy relationship looks like and a healthy mm -hmm. family looks like. Mm -hmm. And it seems like he brought her into his and his was sorting out its own shit. Yeah, so I, I'm I'm hopeful for that whole cohort. Like you said, like if I especially don't think about the very, very intimate bit, even with D, mm -hmm. I don't want D to be a robot-armed killer. I want her to be a robot-armed artist, uh, one who can protect herself for sure. Mm -hmm. but I want her to get to be a kid and to learn all kinds of cool drawing skills and to, sure, have a pet monster. <laughs> oh, why not? But the monster's the one that's there to protect her. In case something bad happens. So how do you feel about horror after having sat through 10 episodes of a horror show, which is really not your thing? I was really surprised how much of it I thought was hilarious. The gore parts, really. 
Even though you were covering your face. Yeah, the only, that was the body shedding that I was not having. But like the disemboweling and maiming, I was I enjoyed that. That was pretty cool. It helped convince me that like world building and community building are really fundamental things in in sci-fi and fantasy that I, I enjoy. And I think a fair bit of of horror is also about like those, you know, how communities work and how people trust each other and how things got to be a certain way. So it it really did show me that there's some there's some stories that it's suited to tell. Mm-hmm. I just got to find a way to be really cued in earlier to the things that I hate. Hmm. Yeah. Well, you know, it took a lot of sorting out for me as a horror fan. I would say I came to it kind of late in life because I would be either too freaked out or too squicked out. So, you know, I don't really enjoy slashers, mm-hmm. although I hear that the Saw films have some People excellent social so, commentary, like, but I'm not going to do it. I am never going to even I look can't. at the front of a dvd of that thank I, you i just can't Goodbye. thank you i that's not the kind of scene i can sit through uh but i might like i might consider watching the purge right and i like i really enjoy for example sometimes funny horror type films like ready or not which is ridiculous it's just ridiculous and it is kind of gory and it is kind of bloody and at the end a bunch of people explode which isn't really a spoiler you kind of saw it coming yeah and it's just tackling that kind of horror when it's done well and I know what I'm getting into. Or like the 70s British shit, right? Like, I I really enjoy this, like, dark and disturbing and unsettling stuff. And it can really sometimes turn my stomach even. But I also know what the parameters of stuff produced around that time are going to be. But at the same time, I could consume my horror in, like, the form of, like, hot fuzz, you know? So instead of... <laughs> watching the horror i could just watch a comedy that is a spoof of the horror it's true yeah well i think that's sort of what ready or not is i've been seeing this this halloween season scream getting a lot of uh, kind of accolades now that it's well aged like a fine wine people are noticing the seven thousand easter eggs that were in there not that i've ever seen or contemplated seeing that movie because I don't know. Active imagination, right? Like, I think we've talked about how we both kind of struggle sometimes to be outside at night because our brains are good at this shit. Yeah, I struggle to be inside at night, too. Like, I just struggle being alive. It's scary in the world. Mm. There could be a spaceship over your house right now. Beam me up. Oh, goodness. Like, the, the, the show overall was absolutely astounding and it was very sad to me to be let, let down by a final episode. Will I watch a second season? Sure. Will I podcast about it? Hmm. Probably don't want to get that invested. Do I regret being invested in it? Not really. And like, I really have enjoyed talking with you about this and coming at it from like our different experiences. Big picture, I think I'm really glad it happened. It was beautiful in a lot of ways. And I think it deserved a bit better than that ending. But uh, this is HBO after all. So I'm looking forward to seeing journey smollett and like seven million more shows and it's great to see a show you know with this cast just more of it more shows like this please i think it got very good ratings throughout so i hope that the takeaway is more shows like this people watch shows like this yeah people love shows like this don't be as rushed in the ending
Something that just occurred to me now is there's a chance if you've got a whole season plotted out ahead of time, which happens quite a bit for a show's first season, you have the entire season plotted out, but they might have had to rework the finale midway through to deal with like plans for renewal or not knowing when they'll be able to do a second series. And I would like to hear, you know, interviews like that. Like, I mean, I'm not going to be team bring back Firefly or team bring back Lovecraft Country or whatever. I'm not. I'm team let the actors get on with their lives. Uh, team whatever happens is fine. Um, my favorite instance of that is Dark Matter. A lot of people wanted to see season five of Dark Matter. I'm cool. Black aliens from across the void devoured the universe. Okay. That's fine. What's the future for us talking and recording it? I definitely want some time off from editing. Yeah. Maybe a monthly podcast where we talk about our favorite heroine from biblical texts. Oh, that'd be pretty cool. Let's talk about Deborah. Let's talk about Ruth. Tomorrow. Oh, yes. Well, she's uh, the most badass, yes. absolutely. Is this your ring? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yes, she is absolutely the most badass. actually <laughs> i really love aliens alien is is oh, scary yeah alien is really scary aliens is scary but also hot. fantastic <laughs>